Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 237. And I am really excited to have a very special guest join us this week and somebody who knows more about a subject we've talked about probably more than any other here on Perpetual Traffic, namely the book Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Schwartz. We have a guest here who's actually a personal friend of his, a mentor, still actually works alongside uh, Eugene Schwartz's widow and has a lot to say about one of the most important advertising books that was ever written. And that's the reason why we talk about it here so much on Perpetual Traffic. And we're going to be getting into it even more so here today. We've not really even given it justice just between Molly and myself and other people talking about it. But today we have none other than Brian Kurtz, who, if you don't know who he is, he's actually had a number of careers, two careers, in fact. The first one that spanned about 34 years behind Boardroom Inc., is an iconic publisher and direct marketer. And you probably know him through uh, some of his direct response copywriting through his Titans Marketing, which is a direct marketing educational and coaching company where he's continued working with the best of the best. And he also has written the book Over Deliver, Build a Business for a Lifetime Playing the Long Game in Direct Response Marketing. This guy has got the goods on how to write ad copy and how to approach traffic in all different ways based upon the principles of breakthrough advertising and many other things which you're going to be discussing here on episode 237. Brian, very lengthy intro, but you know, you've obviously done a lot in your life, but welcome to Perpetual Traffic. Oh, thanks, Ralph. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I'll tell you, you know, breakthrough advertising has gotten a, a, a second life, so to speak, by me bringing it back. And I tell you, I don't know that I'm the expert. I mean, I've only read the book 13 times, but, you know, there are a lot of people out there that didn't know Gene, that are young, that really are just the appetite for this book and for Gene Schwartz is amazing. And, you know, I don't take it lightly that his wife or his widow gave me the rights, the exclusive rights, and she's astounded by the appetite for Gene's work today. She says he's, you know... He's much more popular now than he was when he was alive. And when he was alive, he was pretty popular within direct marketing circles. So it was a labor of love to bring the book back. And now it's become a labor of love and a profit center. Mm. And it's almost by accident. And I'm just so pleased about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's tremendous. Well, you had mentioned that he's obviously, he was a friend and a mentor to you. And you've got a great relationship with his wife. And you have the exclusive rights to the book, which we've talked about here 
And we've actually given links to your link in the past, in past episodes. Back in episodes 205 and 207, we talk about a lot of the concepts here, and we've really gotten into uh, the teachings of this book, sort of with this resurgence in the last six months. I had mentioned Tier 11 as an agency, a direct response Facebook and Instagram agency. We actually did a book club on this on consecutive weeks on our group calls, so we really delved deep into it. But you know, it's a, it's one of those books that's iconic. It doesn't matter if it was written, you know, a few years back. I have some additional info that I put some swipes from Gene and I I added an afterward, but it's exactly the way Gene penned it. And it's all about human behavior as much as it is about copywriting and advertising. Right. And the beauty of Gene, I mean, he was a mountain of a man. He was, as a copywriter, not he was a technically gifted copywriter and he was a gifted copywriter, not just because he could write, but because he was an observer of culture. He was an observer of human behavior in a way that the best writers of all time are like that. Like Gary Halbert, he used to, you know, I, uh, Dan Kennedy talks about marketing by walking around and Gene yep. walked around a lot. I mean, he, he had a library. I always think of the animated movie of beauty and the beast when, the beast tells Belle, you know, don't go to the library and don't go to the library. And she goes to the library and it's like mountains of books. And I felt like that was Gene's house. Um, and, Sounds like and, my house. Yeah. My, my, uh, mine are much messier too. Yeah. Um, my wife's the reader, not really me quite as much, but anyway, keep going. So how much he read and how much he observed and how much he digested and then brought that into his copy. And the interesting thing, I said this before, I think I might have it in the afterword of the book. I said that when Gene passed away, his obituary had like maybe, I don't know, three or four lines or maybe a paragraph on him as a direct response copywriter. The bulk of the obituary was him as an art collector. He was a well-known art collector. He discovered a lot of young talent in art. And you know, you say, well, how does that relate to copywriting? And it's everything, you know, his favorite thing to read was the National Enquirer. It was his favorite magazine because, you know, how people behave and and he had already done the work in breakthrough advertising in terms of, you know, mass desire and, and levels of sophistication. And he understood how to talk to a different audience all the time. But he enhanced that with everything he did by reading, by being out there, by his artwork and meeting all kinds of people all the time. And he was really a renaissance man of, uh, in many ways. The other thing I'll just say as a kind of a side note is that he wrote packages for me and for Boardroom over the years when he was alive. We never paid him. And you say, <laughs> well, you never paid him. He's like, the, you know, probably the most in-demand copywriter. He said, well, he was so shrewd about what his business was. He had a business called Instant Improvement, which were these small little health books he had a book called The Tao of Sexology, and he had another book on actually the, the outer envelope was How to Rub Your Stomach Away. He had some great stuff. And it was all it was all like little health books, not scientific, but more, you know, alternative health. And he realized that to grow that business, he had to have names. He had to have lists. And so he wrote two of his biggest clients were Boardroom and Rodale Press. Now, if you don't know Rodale Press and you don't know Boardroom, we were two of the biggest publishers of health books in the country. We had a database probably of, you know, anywhere from, you know, depending on the year, 
you know, anywhere from 2 million to 9 million names of which many were health book buyers and Rodale was almost all health book buyers in the millions. So Gene, our deal with Gene was like, you write us a package and we'll give you 750,000 names. Hmm. And I think the thing that fascinates me about this and also with Gary Halbert and with all the writers that I've covered over the years is that the best copywriters, when they're talking about their writing, they go right to the list. They go, the audience is the, is the thing. Like Gary Halbert used to say, you know, it's not a brilliant burger, it's a hungry audience. And mm -hmm. the copywriters knew that their job was so much easier if the list was right. And then that goes back, you know, if you go to Breakthrough Advertising and you look at the levels of sophistication of your audience and how you write to each of those levels, it's phenomenal how applicable that is today. In mm -hmm. fact, when Gene came up with that, we only had direct mail, basically. So in direct mail, you'd have to do a separate split in the direct mail, very expensive, to go to each of these audiences with a different package. Hmm. But we did it often at Boardroom. We always had somebody had two or three controls. Now, in email, for instance, you can segment your list into different segments based on the level of sophistication from you know the per people that know you well and they bought from you and they know your brand to the suspect that doesn't even know who you are, and you have to be able to write to all of those levels. Right. And that was a phenomenal thing that Gene identified in 1966 and kept it throughout his career. And all the copywriters that came before him that were worth anything, and anyone who's come since that's worth anything, understands that if you get the list right and you get the offer right, then the copy, which is not the most important thing, at that point, but once you get the other two legs right, the copy becomes the most important thing. I always say the copy and the creative is the least important thing until it isn't. Hmm. And then you take that great copy, and you were talking about this, and you might want to expand on this because you were talking about how you know you go from a, an ad to a landing page, and, and then it, it, it breaks down, and you're working with your clients to make sure that throughout the whole process, all of the creative ties into the original lead generation. And, you know, people forget about that. You know, you can make money online by just having a great list and a great offer and mediocre creative. But when you put great creative on the back end of that, now you're talking about direct marketing nirvana. Mm. And that's where you spend the money on creative and copywriters and all of that. You don't go there first. You go to the list and the offer first. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. 
And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So for listeners of ours, mostly the folks that listen to this show are direct response advertisers. They might be consultants, they might be agencies, they might be individual businesses. Chances are they're probably using some form of digital advertising. And here we talk a lot about Facebook and Instagram advertising. And one of the things that I find interesting is that there's a fair amount of, you know, millennials that are on staff at tier 11. They don't understand what direct mail marketing actually is. And when we were going through breakthrough advertising, I said, well, this is direct mail marketing. And how does that relate back to digital marketing? And that we sort of had to explain that connection because remember when this book was written, there was no such thing as Google or Facebook, but human nature hasn't changed. That's the bottom line. So maybe can you talk just about that and then we can get into little you know, parts of the book, maybe you know, obviously the five levels of awareness that we've talked about here, perpetual traffic a lot, but obviously mass desire and sophistication of market is something we really haven't touched on quite as much. But how do you relate like that? And that's how you got your start, obviously. And now it, how do you relate that back to the digital world and the teachings of Eugene Schwartz? Yeah, in my book, Over Deliver, I set up the book and I, I was a little repetitive in the first three chapters just to set up the fourth chapter and the fifth chapter and the sixth chapter. So the first chapter is just called Over Deliver and it's kind of an introduction. Chapter two is the importance of original source and why it's important to study the fundamentals to be able to do what you want to do in digital marketing today. I don't want to sound like grandpa and saying you need to know this stuff because direct mail, I don't recommend it. I don't, sometimes I'm pigeonholed as a direct mail guy, but you know, I'm, I'm in digital marketing all the time. I mean, I've got, I'm on Facebook and I'm doing email marketing all the time, but I feel like that second chapter, which is about original source, it's repetitive, but I keep saying, if you understand where babies come from and how you apply it to digital marketing, that's going to get you much further ahead. And then chapter three is why paying postage made me a better marketer and why direct mail. And I tell you, a lot of the people in your office probably think direct marketing is direct mail. Mm -hmm. It's not. And that's why, I, but since they confuse it, I always say direct response marketing instead of direct marketing. But whatever it is, direct marketing or direct response marketing, direct mail is kind of the foundational piece of what Gene is talking about. Gene never worked on digital. He never worked on the internet. And yet I think everything in Breakthrough Advertising is applicable to everything we do online today. And that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I can't help but being a dinosaur from 1981 when there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no digital marketing. And to have seen the transition from, you know, the fundamentals of direct mail and how they apply. For example, 
copy, you know, you look at video sales letters and you look at long copy online. You might not be able to do a long form sales letter on Facebook directly, but getting people in a romanced way from a Facebook ad to a video sales letter to something that is, you know, hits a pain point to something that is longer is to your advantage. You know, I, I just was on a summit yesterday that was a lead generation summit. It was all about, you know, getting leads online. And I said, I'll do it, but I want to do lead generation with the end in mind. What I did is, I don't know if I did the example, but the examples in my book of how you sell is how they respond. So I have a couple of examples in my blog about, you know, if you sell with a gimmick, like a, a sweepstakes, so not a gimmick, but, you know, something that's impulsive, a sweepstakes, uh, a survey, something that's very little copy, very little about the product, you'll get a lot of front-end response, but yeah. you won't get the conversions. Whereas if you go out with a 64-page bookalog, we used to do these bookalogs and magalogs and direct mail. And that's why it's important to know direct mail. If you understand the beauty of a bookalog or a magalog, you know, 32 pages, 64 pages, I mean, people would put it on their nightstand. It was a promotion, but they mm. put it on their nightstand because they think it's product. And they'd read it, and if they subscribe, they are much more likely to not only pay up on the subscription, but to renew multiple times because what they got was what they were sold, whereas mm -hmm. they weren't sold on something. Because like if you, you know, you talk about online marketing today, and this is a really good example where they sell on all sizzle, you'll get this, you'll get that, and then the product doesn't deliver. You know, that's why you hear about 30 to 50% return rates on a lot of online products because they are just not fulfilling. And that's why your promotion's got to have enough of the product in it. So that, I mean, it sounds really simple, mm -hmm. but not, you know, when, when you're on Facebook and you only have a few lines to get somebody's interest, you're trying to sell something as opposed to try to get them to a long form sales letter and get them engaged in a way. And when you're engaging with your, your audience, the chances of them staying with you for the lifetime, whatever lifetime is, even if it's a year or two years or three years, that is where it's at. And those are fundamentals of direct mail that relate to online today. It's just that I think in online, it's so immediate. Your feedback is immediate. You're getting so much information quickly that you tend to not think of the long term sometimes. I'm not saying you don't, but you know that you don't think of, you know, what is the progression? I mean, we talk about funnels. I had a funnel in 1981, you know, I had a subscription and I had a renewal and I had books on the back end. It was a very simple funnel, but it worked because I was bringing in customers who were really interested in everything that we had to offer. And that's fairly simple. And then going back to Gene, you know, the levels of sophistication of your audience, knowing what they know about you and what they know about your products before you go after them is key. I mean, it, it kills me that in direct mail, we had two and three controls sometimes. If you're online, you've got to segment your list in a way that you will have multiple messages to all the different levels of sophistication of your list. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you can explode in a way that if, you know, as opposed to having one size fits all creative to the total list. You know, I had an interesting thing. I did a podcast once where the guy was making me go down a road of 
how we did modeling in direct mail and the, the idea of regression modeling in direct mail without getting into too much detail. He got me into a lot of detail about how you send out an, an nth of a list. Like you have 2 million names, you send it out, you get you know 500 to 1,000 responses back at a loss. But now you've got those names and you have all their data and you can go out to a bigger audience of 5 million and be able to match the characteristics. These are transaction characteristics, not personality characteristics of the names. And you can start doing a gains chart. And without getting into too much more detail, what happened was somebody on Facebook said, and he posted the interview on Facebook, and the guy said, wow, I thought Facebook invented lookalike models, mind blown. And <laughs> so that was an, a, a specific example that if you understand the basics of regression modeling, which is not a lookalike model, and you can go to your Facebook agency and have them buy your media based on the things you learn of regression modeling and transaction data and all of those things that were all part of the direct mail, the sophisticated direct mail in the 80s and 90s, you're going to be so much further ahead than anyone else. And you're going to be able to do Facebook selections at a much higher level, I think, than mm. your competitor. And so that's just one simple example of how you know a direct mail technique of regression modeling can relate to anything you do online with lookalike models and any match models and anything like that. So, I mean, sort of bottom line is one message never fits all. I mean, there's always, you know, I think with Facebook, obviously, and we discuss this quite often here, especially in episode 234 and 233, where we try and segment out traffic based upon levels of intent or levels of awareness, which we can talk about here. And we see this mistake all the time in, inside ad accounts who might want to work with tier 11 as a full service agency is that we look into their ad sets and their campaigns and they basically have one messaging for everything. And they're wondering why they can't scale. Like, I, I just can't scale. And, you know, maybe they have a couple of different ads, but it's all around the same messaging or it's just a product pitch. It's like, of course, you're not able. Yeah, to I'll scale. add to that, that we had something at boardroom that was called um, contact strategy. Mm -hmm. And contact strategy is just and if you have a lot of products, let's say you have, you know, let's say you have eight products and, and you have one lead product. And usually what uh, companies will do is that they buy the first product and whatever's in the queue for the next product to come out, they send that product to the customer. But we had a contact strategy that said, if you bought a book, like a health book, and once they paid for the book, we had an automatic system that sent them a free six-month subscription to the health newsletter, not the business newsletter, not the tax newsletter, not the consumer newsletter, just the health newsletter. And it went out automatically. It was all like done automatically in direct mail. It was complicated even. You know, you don't have to be that complicated in email. So right. imagine if you have all these products and you know, based on the history, that they buy a product and you know the second best product is the one that's going to be the fifth one that they're going to get. Well, that's crazy. Why don't you set it up so that buying of this product means the second product? I mean, I, a lot of people do it. So I'm not teaching everybody to do something that they're not doing. But if you're not doing that, you know, you're missing out on basically getting the most out of, as Jay Abraham would say, getting everything you can out of all you've got. You know, you've got this great buyer of product one, and you know that this product two is not the one 
that's coming up in the queue, it's the one that's going to come up in the queue six months from now. So you move that up and just go to that product to that. So that's a quick way. And we did it in direct mail. So if we could do it in direct mail, you can do it online. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's far, it's far simpler. If anything, it, when you read breakthrough advertising and you realize that this is direct mail, it was much more difficult back then to do all the things that you can do now. And that's the reason why these strategies that are in the book, which we're going to get into in just a second, are so powerful. It's like a, we think, OK, well, I wish it was back in 2015 when Facebook was easy. Well, and here it is in 2020 where Facebook is hard. Well, relatively speaking, it's a lot easier than direct mail ever was because you've got so many tools at your disposal. Yeah, that's why I said, you know, that's why chapter three of my book, How Paying Postage May Be a Better Marketer. The other piece of that is just the discipline. You know, when you're paying $500 to $800 a thousand for, you know, the idea of, of sending out millions of pieces of mail, before you do that, you have to think things through much more carefully. Whereas an email, you know, you can just go out with something and you think that if it doesn't work, that there's no harm, no foul. But there is. Every time you contact your audience with something that's inappropriate, that's not a good deal, that's not a good piece of copy, that's not a, a piece of copy to that audience, you may be losing that customer forever or that prospect forever. And you never will really know about it at the minute data where in direct mail, we knew exactly if we had a bomb in direct mail, we had to adjust and really figure out what we did wrong. That's why we also did research before we went out. We had to do these concept tests of all the books we wanted to sell because we couldn't just say, okay, I want to try this book. I want to try this thing. I want to, you had to like decide whether what the odds were because the cost was so high. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, you have to do direct mail to do online marketing, but I happen to have done, you know, probably a couple of billion, well, over a billion pieces of direct mail, which I guess with a lot of wins and a lot of losses makes me more, basically I didn't hit send until Mm -hmm. I did a lot of stuff before. And, And I think that's something that any online marketer needs to think about a little bit more. Now you still can do stuff fast. And the, and the beauty of online is that you can turn things around quickly and you couldn't do that in direct mail. So that's the plus. The minus is don't just do it, you know, haphazardly and sloppily. So directly relating back to this conversation here, and one of the things I don't think we've really discussed a whole lot on this show is the idea from breakthrough advertising of mass desire. And I think it's an important concept. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that and then how it relates from the direct mail world, obviously, to the digital marketing world and why it's such an important concept. If you haven't read Breakthrough Advertising, obviously, we'll give you a link at the end of the show here so you can get it directly from Brian at a discounted price. But talk to us about mass desire. What exactly is that? Why is it important to direct response marketers, especially in the digital world? Yeah, I mean, it's fundamental because you're talking about that people think that copywriters are magicians and that copywriters can just go out, you you give them a product, they'll sell it and it's no problem. The thing with Gene, and I think this goes back to his walking around on the outside all the time, is that the desire is already out there. The key is for the copywriter to find what the desire is and write to it. As a, and this goes back to lists, you know, it's writing to the desire that's already there. 
Copywriters do not create desire. Gene said that. It's a quote. You know, I don't create desire. I find where it is and I then I corral it. And I find, like, if he found a common, you know, I'll, I'll use the example of diabetes. Diabetes is, you know, an epidemic in the United States. There's a desire in the marketplace for cures and diets and treatments for diabetes. So you, you realize there's a desire out there. Now you have to go meet it as opposed to just write what you want to write. So that's kind of like, you know, I always say diabetes is a horizontal vertical. And what I mean by that, it's a vertical within the health space, but it's horizontal because there's 30 million people in the United States that are either diabetic or pre-diabetic. So, you know, that's a perfect example of the mass desire that's there. And what are you going to meet it with? Mm. And then your creative takes over. But I think that it's kind of simple in that, you know, I said it before that my first book, The Advertising Solution, I had six legends that we profiled in that book, Gary Halbert, Gene Schwartz, Robert Collier, Claude Hopkins, and John Caples. And it was all about, you know, the audience. It was all about like, you had these copywriters saying, it's not the brilliant product, it's the audience. And, and, and then the other thing about Mass Desire that really embedded in my head is that if I've got my house file who have bought a lot of books and newsletters from me, that's an audience that is already, that, that's a level of sophistication of my audience that's really deep. So now I want to go to the best customers and find out what they want next, as opposed mm-hmm. to me guessing. And, kind of. and it really led to, you know, it leads to kind of research. I, I outlined this in my book and Over Deliver about how we did uh, concept testing and how we, every book we went out with at Boardroom was a winner once we started concept testing. We never had a huge loser. Now, some were, some were different levels of winners, but it's because we concept tested and kind of find out where the desire was in our market. And when you found the mass desire, like, like diabetes, the thing blew up. It was unbelievable. Mm. So, you know, Gene's got some great phrases when he talks about mass desire that he's so eloquent in how he does this. And I always say when, when people buy Breakthrough Advertising, read the first three chapters multiple times before you go on to the rest of the book because to make advertising work it it comes from the market itself not necessarily from your copy and that's mm. that's the bottom line of mass desire right so talk to the next sort of level of that is really is is market sophistication so inside that mass desire there are multiple levels of and you've mentioned it a couple of times so far, a sophisticated market or level of sophistication. So talk to us about that within that mass desire market and and how the approach sort of changes based upon those levels of sophistication. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such an, it's this chapter two, and it's like, he starts with the headline, the headline's real job, but he he has all these levels as there's, you have to know the prospect state of awareness and the demands from your headline. So even if you're going to template your copy for whatever you're doing, and again, we're, you know, we might be talking short copy to go to long copy. So you've got to make sure that the headline subject line really relates directly to the audience you're going to. And that relates directly to the level of sophistication. So you have people who are the most aware, the people that might've bought three, you know, let's say they bought three products from you that you actually have a brand. I mean, you know, I've got a brand, you know, for me, and it's like this, it's a sliver of, of a sliver in, mm-hmm. in the direct response world. I don't claim to be, you know, well-known or, you know, 
omnipresent in, in all these different markets. You really have to know. But if you have that most aware audience, those are people, they're your VIPs. They're the people you have to talk to much deeper than other people. Then you have the customer knows of the product, but doesn't yet want it. And Gene has a lot of ways to attract that kind of customer. It's like what's going on in their head. You got to get to that conversation, but they don't know they want it yet. So how do you get them to want it? And then he talks about how to introduce new products under that. I think that you have to also figure out how to completely open up an unaware market. And that takes time. You know, you can't just go at them. I mean, a lot of stuff online in Facebook, you know, you can do it with, you know, I, I get a lot of uh, retargeted ads and stuff because I bought, I bought some sneakers on a retargeted ad. So now I'm getting a lot of sneaker ads and, and everybody's trying to sell me another pair of sneakers. That's sure. the quick, easy way to do it. But he talks about the sophisticated ways to do it. And he was talking about direct mail, but you can get a lot of hints of how to do it in a more sophisticated way. And he just has so many levels of this that it's just, it's just so amazing. And then in chapter three, he talks about the sophistication of your market. And he talks about if you're first in the market, if you're second, and he's got the different levels of sophistication and how to revive a dead product, which, you know, we talk about that all the time. You know, if you have a list, an email list, and you're trying to revive it and get it back up, you know, Gene's talking about it. You know, if you have an industry that's gone through all the levels of sophistication, how do you re-energize that market? So there's a, I mean, I can't, I mean, looking at the table of contents and realizing how deep this stuff is. And that's why this book is so incredible. He's just an amazing guy in terms of how he saw this in 1966. And I haven't had, I, I tell you, I've sold probably somewhere between, somewhere close to 3,000 books all over the world. I've never had anyone return it. I've never mm -hmm. had anyone tell me it sucked. Um, I've never had anyone tell me. So I'm not just selling the book here. I'm just saying that these are eternal truths of markets and lists and all the things that, that we all do online today that he's got a way to assess it. And actually, what I do is I've read the book about 13 times. I've probably mm -hmm. read the first three chapters more than that. And I have it next to my desk. You know, not, a, I mean, it's not really a reference book, but I try to, you know, kind of remind myself of these things because you can lose it sometimes. You can say, oh, I've got a message from my entire list. And if you read some of the stuff, and especially in chapter two, that you start saying, oh, that headline's not good for that. I got to come up with something different. So, you know, I probably didn't do a great job of that, but I just wanted to touch on some of the things that are in there. Well, I think when I think of, market sophistication i think of competition first to market first to market you might run up against like the unaware audience challenge which we can get into in just a second but it's like market sophistication like we're in a lot of niches where it's you know health and wellness health and beauty i mean there is those are sophisticated markets that have a lot of competition and you really need to differentiate not only with your messaging, but with your product itself. I mean, of course, like, you know, the best advertising in the world isn't going to replace a crappy product unless you're just an amazing marketer. But the point is, is that your product actually has to back it up. But those are sophisticated markets. And I mean, those are hard markets to penetrate. And <clears throat> if you think about a, a, a highly sophisticated market, let's think about like just 
you know, health and wellness or, you know, health and fitness. Just, you know, obviously this time of year right now is, is big for both of those, as well as, you know, personal development. I mean, how does a marketer, in your opinion, sort of break through, you know, rise above the rest of the crowd to make impact and actually garner engagement, garner interest, like based upon, you know, Eugene Schwartz's concepts here and the teachings inside the book? Like what, what's like a big takeaway for somebody who's in those types of markets should really sort of think about? You know, not only is there marketing and creating their products in some cases, but also in this case, marketing it in the digital world. Yeah, I mean, Gene says, you know, be simple, be direct. Above all, don't be fancy. That's, you know, you're first to the market. There is, they, they don't know that they want it, but you've got the solution for them. So you really have to, you know, you got to dramatize whatever claim you're making in your headline and in your subheadline, just be as powerful as possible and simple as possible. Use language. And the gene was really big on language. Use language that they're using in their world. Like don't go above them or below them. I mean, Gene didn't have Amazon or forums online or anything like that. You know, find out where your customers are congregating, go in there and see the words they're using. You will get copy ideas from that and you basically feed them what they want to hear because that's the way they talk. You know, if the market, I mean, he talks about the, in the third stage of sophistication, your prospect and your market has heard all the claims. So now, you know, how, how do you distinguish your product from the mass? And one factor is vital here. It's the restorative power that the market is coming up with ways to look at the market differently and you need you need something that's different new it's sort of like it goes from a specialty to a commodity how do you differentiate a commodity and it could be that you can you can't use the same methods it's you know i think when you're in a commodity market and you can come up with i'll, I'll use an example let's say you're in the supplement market and you know everybody sells fish oil if you can come up with something and you have to try to come up with something, even if you you, know, you, don't to, you can't make it up, you can't lie, but mm. you've got to come up with something that's going to differentiate your fish oil from everybody else's fish oil. And it could be the distribution that you can deliver in a day. That's mm -hmm. not a big differentiator, but it could be. And that's where Amazon has kind of squelched a lot of the competition. But you also could find that our fish oil is aged. Our fish oil is pure. Our fish oil is comes from squid in the Indian Ocean. It got, you can't lie about that. It might not be that much better, but it's got a unique, uh, and then Gene talks about all the unique features, and which is general copywriting, but you mm -hmm. have to differentiate much more. When you're first in the market, even if it's a sophisticated market to some degree, you're kind of finding out what they want and what the problem is. When you're like at the third level of sophistication, they all know it. So now you have to go uh, deeper into that. And the book, you know, Breakthrough Advertising talks about very specific ways to do that. Yeah. That's probably the, one of the biggest challenges that advertisers face right now is that there is a lot of noise in the market for whatever product it is that you're selling. Like, for example, 
some of the recent ones that we've had come on as agency customers are all in really like mature, highly sophisticated markets, but they found something that differentiates, found something that's really specific inside their product. And I always sort of go back to, and you know, our copy chief does this all the time. Whenever we have a new customer that comes on board tier 11, we do a ton of upfront research. And I always think back to David Ogilvy when he landed the Mercedes-Benz account, he flew to their offices in Stuttgart, Germany, and stayed there for three weeks to know everything he possibly could about Mercedes so that he could figure out what is the one little hook, what is the one thing that I can sort of hang my hat on to differentiate in this very crowded and very sophisticated car market, maybe the luxury car market, not quite as much, but... The point is that comes with a lot of research into the product. And if you're considering, you know, creating a product, you have to sort of have something in the back of your mind as you're creating it. And I know a lot of people who listen to this show are like, all right, I know I want to use Facebook and Instagram ads, but I don't really quite know what my product is yet. Don't come out with something that's just the same as everybody else. You have to have something, even if it is, you know, made from whatever you said there, squid from the Indian Ocean. You know what I mean? But it has to be a benefit to that potential feature. The point is, is that there's something that you got to find and that sometimes that really does involve some heavy lifting and some digging. Yeah, so I can't agree with you more. Research in being a copywriter is probably the, one of the most important things because you can write copy for food if you're a copywriter or you can, as a client, you can just pay a copywriter and do me and just do the package. It's got to be a team effort. And I think that the idea of that he spent three weeks in Germany with the staff, I think when he wrote for Rolls Royce, you know, he got in, you know, the old Rolls Royce ad about the clock ticking is the only thing you'll hear. So quiet and luxury was a big, a big blink. And it was a very successful ad. Bill Birnbach has a quote, and I, I used it in my book, which is, you know, you don't adapt your technique to the idea. You have to adapt your idea to the technique. So you don't say, I want to be on Facebook and then find a product. That's like absolutely the worst thing. You find what the product is and maybe Facebook is appropriate, but maybe not. It might be that you want to do a webinar. You might want to do a TV show, whatever, but it's not that you have to, and then you have to dig. So I think one of the best things about Gene Schwartz, I'll tell you a quick Gene Schwartz story. He wrote the original package to boardroom reports, which was the launch product at my company back in 1971. I was not there. I was I was in junior high school. But the boredom report. So what Gene did is he spent you know two three days with Marty Edelston, who was the president of the company, because this was his baby, and he basically interviewed him. I mean, the best copywriters are the best interviewers. So he just interviewed Marty for days on what the product was, what it did, how he was differentiating it. And then he wrote the launch package, which was very successful for Boardroom Reports, which the headline was, you know, read 300 business magazines in 30 minutes and get the guts of each. And then there was a lot of sub headlines. It was a fantastic package. And everybody like was praising Gene, you know, what an amazing package you wrote, Gene. What an amazing piece of copy. And he goes, I didn't really write it. Marty wrote it. Hmm. You know, I got it out of his head. So, you know, the people listening to this who are entrepreneurs or the inventors or the people behind the product, you might be your best copywriter, but you just don't want to write or you can't write or you don't think you can write. But if you can team up with the right kind of copywriter 
who understands this research piece that you were talking about and can get interviewed by them, they'll take what's in your head and they'll turn it into poetry, of course, that you can't, but it's really what's in your head. And what's happened I see in the online world, which is very interesting, is that there are people in nice verticals who have done this work and then eventually they are their best copywriter. That they, you know, you, you can't write copy by committee. You have, someone's got to write it. So either you got to write it or your copywriter has to write it. But then after you write it, you get the feedback loop one way or the other. So I've seen, I've seen entrepreneurs in online marketing who have become so skilled in a narrow niche that they become the top copywriter. And then they just run the copy by certain people with skill in that area just to kind of hone it. But they're their best copy. They couldn't hire a copywriter to write better copy. That took time because they had to do that. Now, the opposite is true also that, you know, you find we had a a guy at boardroom named Mel Martin, who was an in-house copywriter that became amazing because he understood our product so well. He was almost like an employee. So he would write the copy and then Marty would hone it. So, you know, Mel would write the fascinations, the bullet points out of the copy, and then Marty would hone it. Gene did the same thing. Gene used to write bullet points out of the copy. And another quick thing about this idea of research and digging and all of that, I remember I once gave Gene one of our health books and I said, Gene, we want you to write a a package for this. And his first question to me is, what's not in the book? Like he, he knew that he could write a package for this thing and pull out fascinations from it, but he wanted to know what's not in the book. Like there's a, let's say there's a chapter on, on diabetes and there's a bunch of stuff. What about diabetes would be cutting edge that's not in the book? which you can go back to your editors, find something that I could write even a more compelling fascination for. So he, he, Gene had a quote that said, I don't write copy, I assemble copy. Hmm. Because he would write what's in the thing that he was writing for, but then he'd dig and dig for stuff that's, he he would be reading the book. He used to say he underlined it in the book, came up with the fascination that related to the answer in the book, and then thought of two or three things that would be even more engaging and went back to the editorial people at our company and say, can you find me something on this, this, or that, that would be deeper than what you have? If they could, he'd get another fascination or two out of it and then add it to the book. Mm-hmm. So in a way, Gene, because he had all that experience in putting together health books, he was actually writing the book at the same time he was writing for the book. That's and that was just a fascinating thing. That And that's about you know mm-hmm. understanding that he had to come up with stuff that other people could not. And that's why he differentiated the product because he dug and dug and researched. So, you know, that was a great point that you made about it's, it, you know, going to spend three weeks at Mercedes Benz is like Gene being, you know, next to Marty talking all the time about what we have to do and him talking to the editors and all of that. Make your copywriter part of the team. Don't mm. just tell them, do me. It's that's, that, that's one of the biggest lessons. It's not spelled out in Breakthrough Advertising, but that is one of the, the biggest lessons I learned from it. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, you know, having read it many times at this point, I always come back to, I say, geez, this is a lot of work. <laughs> but it, that's part of it. I mean, you know, for you and me, I mean, this is like we love to do it. So it's not really work, but it, you can't just all of a sudden, boom, pop into your head 
like I always think back to John Carlton's one-legged golfer, you know, like something like that's just a great example, like how he found that out through multiple interviews and nothing related to Eugene Schwartz, but actually very much related to what we're talking about here. Like you were given that gift of this, like this incredible hook that was one of the most successful direct response ads that's ever been. I don't know what the stats are of it, but like you were given that thing and it was probably just done through the research phase, like him just doing his due diligence, which is the, you know, the part that takes a lot of time, you know, in order to pull something like that out. And as soon as you get that, you're like, Oh man, you got to latch onto it. I mean, you know, there's a video on my overdeliver book page, overdeliverbook.com where I have like 11 bonuses, but one of them are these Gene Schwartz interviews of great direct marketers talking about breakthrough advertising and Gene Schwartz. And then there's a video of Gene presenting at Rodale Press, and he talks about how he doesn't, you're not staring at a blank piece of paper and just writing. Right. He talked about the level of research that he did. Uh, It's fascinating. That's the difference between a copywriter and a world-class copywriter. It's not the sexy side of this whole thing, for sure. Like, do a lot of research. But, I mean, it is the part that, in my opinion, it's it's probably the most important thing, you know? Or hire a copywriter who can do the research if you don't have time to do it. Like, for us, we have a copy chief that's on board right now who's awesome, and he pulls out the best ideas through interviewing me and talking to everyone on the staff. He's interviewed pretty much everyone on our staff. Like that's how you do research to come up with ways in which to approach cold traffic about what we do. So it's like, that's the level of engagement that you do need and the little work that you do need. I mean, you might be lucky enough to think of something off the top of your head, you know, in the shower one morning and write a great ad and that's it. But, you know, chances are you're probably going to need a whole lot more work. And even though, you know, breakthrough advertising doesn't talk specifically about that. I mean, you see a lot of the ideas that are in there. And I think it will help people to understand the importance of that back work before they get an ad that starts to really work, especially those that are, you know, problem aware or unaware, maybe even solution aware in the book, because those are the more challenging markets to attack these days. That's for sure. Well, this has been uh, awesome, man. I, mean, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And like I said before, one of the coolest things about having Brian on here, and because we love breakthrough advertising so much, we will give you a link in the show notes where, as Brian has the exclusive rights to the book itself, obviously, Eugene Schwartz has long since passed, but you know, as a friend and a mentor, and obviously uh, working alongside his widow has a way in which you can get breakthrough advertising for a lot cheaper than you can probably get it on any other site. Plus it's a much higher quality. So why don't you give us that here, Brian, as well as where they can contact you if they ever want to get in touch with you, as well as uh, potentially buy your book over deliver as well. Yeah. So breakthrough advertising, it's www.breakthroughadvertisingbook.com. And at $125, it sounds expensive, but it is the cheapest price that you can get because most people are, if they buy it and, and put it on eBay or, or um, Amazon, it goes from 300 to 1,000. So I'm, I'm proud to have it at 125. And you know I don't make a lot on every book because I've got mm-hmm. a royalty and all that, but I, it started as a labor of love. And now it's just, I want to get it out to as many people as possible. So get a copy if you don't have one. It's, it's, it should be in every copywriter's and marketer's library. As far as uh, how, to, how to stay in touch with me, if you are inclined to buy my book, 
go to overdeliverbook.com, www.overdeliverbook.com. And on that site, you'll see amazing bonuses worth thousands of dollars. Uh, stuff from Jay Abraham, Gene Schwartz, Dan Kennedy, uh, just amazing. Gary Bensavenga, fantastic. Perry Marshall. And there's just all kinds of stuff on there. So it, you go there, you can buy the book anywhere on the on, uh, Amazon or Barnes and Noble. You go to the site, you buy the book, you come back to the site, you put your order number in. And uh, for the purchase of that book, you get all those bonuses. And so I think it's well worth it. And if you don't have my book, it's it's got a lot about Gene in it as well. And if you're too cheap to buy any books, and that's okay, you, all, you can go to briankurtz.net. And I've got a lot of free content there. And um, you can just opt into my list. I blog every Sunday. And uh, you can stay in touch with me that way. And uh, I'd love to be in touch with as many people as possible. So a lot of different ways to get to me. Some of them you have to spend some money. Some of them don't. And one of them you don't, just briankurtz.com. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we always want to throw the freebie link in there, too. And at $125, you know, this is paid back many, 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 many times over. And it's the cheapest price that you can get. And it is the physical book. It's not just the digital download. Yeah, it's a physical book. Yeah, it's the and actual got a digital download is, is, is ripping me off. So. <laughs> That's true. I have to take them down. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, do it legit. And, um, you know, thanks for coming on this week's episode. This has been episode 237. For all the links and all the resources that we mentioned in the show here, go over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 237 of Perpetual Traffic. Brian Kurtzman, thanks for coming on and uh, look forward to having you back on soon and bringing it about all these things that maybe people in this day and age don't know quite as much about, but should, because human behavior really never changes and the principles in uh, breakthrough advertising will never change. Well said, said, Rob. Awesome. Thanks for having you on. Till next week, everybody. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.